Well, here we are in week four of In the Meantime. We've designed this whole series to help you maximize your meantime, this time before things start to go back to normal. And what we've said for the last three weeks and what we'll say today is that we feel that God has given us a bit of a gift right now because we've had the opportunity to hit the reset button, to reset some habits and practices, to reset some life rhythms so that we're moving toward discipleship. And a disciple is simply a person that reflects the character and priorities of Jesus in all of life. And in order to do that, a disciple engages regularly in some practices that help move us in that direction. Once again, the practices aren't the end game. That's not the goal. Becoming like Jesus is the goal, but these practices help us get there. And so here at Bayview Glen, we have these four D's of discipleship, and they come straight from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, in Luke's description of the early church. Let me read it to you. It says, They, this is the early church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So at Bayview Glen Church, what we've done is we've looked deeply into this text and and tried to determine and, and discern what it was that this early church was doing that caused them to grow so much spiritually and numerically and vitality and in moving the mission of God forward. And, and what we've kind of come up with is the four D's of discipleship. They come straight from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So today we're on practice number four, but let, rem- let me remind you where we've been. The first practice is that a disciple is always discovering a life connected to God and others. Did you hear all that community language in there that people were selling their possessions as anyone had need and they were meeting together daily in the temple and in homes? We are always discovering life connected to God and others. Number two, we are dedicating ourselves to God's word and prayer. You probably caught that in there, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. We dedicate ourselves to God's word and prayer. Number three, we declare the good news about Jesus. We share a verbal witness. That's what the early church was doing, talking about Jesus everywhere they went. And they're coming and they're going, they're lying down and they're standing up. They were declaring the good news about Jesus. And finally, and and, and here's... Here's practice number four. Disciples are demonstrating the good news in all of life. So listen, we don't just declare the good news, but our life is completely and totally wrapped up in the kingdom of God and what he's doing 
in the world. We are demonstrating the good news in all of life. Now, as you may know, each week we've kind of talked about a lie that we believe that prevents us from engaging in these practices. And this week, here's the lie that prevents us from demonstrating the good news, living out the kingdom in all of life. Here's the lie. The kingdom of God can't be much better than this. We do believe that lie. I mean, because I look around in my life and, you know, it's pretty good. I got my family. I got my kids. I get to travel a little bit. I like my house. I eat good food. I get to exercise. I mean, my life's pretty good. I got friends. You know, I laugh. It's pretty good. It can't be much better than this. And friends, that is a lie from the pit of hell. The kingdom of God, walking with him and moving his mission forward in the world, is far greater than anything that this world has to offer. And I'm not saying that the kingdom of God is not my kids and not travel and not eating good food and not exercising. All those things are part of the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is so much greater than that. In fact, one of my favorite Christian authors uh, wrote this uh, about, about who we are. It's a man named C.S. Lewis. He, he, he wrote this. Listen close. He says, Our desires are not too strong, but too weak. So he's talking about those who go after, he'll mention it here in a minute, you know, drink and sex and drugs and ambition and the things of the world. He says, You're going after those things not because your desires are too strong but because your desires are too weak. Now listen to what he says. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. This is the lie that we believe when we don't engage in and live out kingdom principles demonstrating the good news in all of life. That I'm pleased. I'm okay. The kingdom of God can't be much better than this. But the invitation of Jesus is this. The kingdom offers infinite joy, peace, tranquility, goodness, hope, healing, redemption. If we continue to pursue the things of the world, we're like a child making mud pies in a slum when the kingdom of God is like a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. And so what happens when we make that transition and we believe God that the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of the world, far greater, and we pursue the kingdom of God we begin to see our hearts change to reflect the character and priorities of Jesus. We begin to see the world change around us just by pursuing a demonstration of the good news in all of life. Now, I was thinking this week about a person in my life who really does this, who has allowed the gospel to completely take her over and demonstrate the good news in all of life. It's my mom. And I'm not just saying that because it's Mother's Day. 
So, instead of telling you about my mom, I thought I'd let my mom tell you a little bit about herself. You want to call her? Let's call her. Here we go. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you, darling. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Not, I'm not laughing. This is serious. This yeah. is serious. This is my job. I know it is. Um, you better be serious about this. I'm serious. You have three children, Gabe, me, Lacey. Why do you treat them better than me? <laughs> They're definitely the executors of the will. So, uh, <laughs> you so. That when you were in New York and you told me that Lacey was the executor because, uh, no, Gabe's the executor because, no, Lacey's the executor because she's a lawyer. And then Gabe would be second, mm -hmm. the oldest. Mm -hmm. I said, am I third? And then you said what? I said, I don't think you're on there. So, <laughs> but you'll, you'll get something, hopefully, if you haven't already used it all up before, <laughs> before we die. <laughs> you can say hi to Bayview if you want to. Yes. Hey, hey, Bayview Glenn. Good uh, to see you. So you've been to Bayview a bunch of times. How many times do you think you've been to Bayview? Oh boy, I think we've been probably at least a couple of times a year, if not three, up for the last seven years that you've been up there. We try to go as often as we can. Yeah, so tell me uh, what you think about Baby. Oh, I, I love Baby Glenn. I like the, the people there, friendly, and uh, always make me feel welcome. Um, music's great, and even the preaching is <laughs> pretty awesome. <laughs> Come here, Kaya. You can say hi to Kaya if you want. Okay, good. She can be on the Zoom call too. Come here, babe. Hi, Grandma. Hi, sweetheart. How are you this morning? Good. How are you this morning? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. <laughs> okay, go. You want to say hi to Kane? Come here, Kane. Come here, Kane. You want to say hi to Grandma? <laughs> Hi, sweetie. I love you. I love you, sweetheart. Are you brushing your teeth? Yeah. Yes. Good job. Good job. Okay, go. <laughs> Whoa. Um, okay, so today we're talking about this fourth practice of discipleship um, and what it means to reflect the character and priorities of Jesus in all of life. And at Bayview, we have kind of these four practices, these four habits that we try to engage in um, in order to grow as disciples. And this fourth practice is called demonstrating the good news about Jesus. And uh, the reason that we have it in place is because some of us have this misunderstanding of the gospel that um, it's kind of fire insurance, right? That that uh, there's Misha. She she. She's going to get on every one of these Zoom, or every one of these uh, services, every every single one. She's going to figure out a way. So, um, some of us have this misunderstanding of the gospel that it's fire insurance, right? That you accept Jesus and accept what He did on the cross, so that you don't go to hell when you die. Uh, and really, the nature of the gospel is far more comprehensive than that, and it should take hold of all of our life. So, could you tell me a little bit about kind of uh, when that shift happened for you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely grew up in a in a background Southern Baptist and Southern Baptist kind of in the West Texas area. So very Southern. And um, so my recall of church services every Sunday was an invitation. Uh, the preacher always ending with a message that 
you know, you have a decision to make. Don't wait. Today's the day. <laughs> uh, and that you need to make that decision now. You never know what's going to happen when you leave the, the service. I think the shift for me started to happen as I continued to grow as a believer. Especially, I would say, my growth, a lot of my growth as a believer happened in my, uh, <clears throat> as a young mother. And um, had a great Bible study teacher. His name was Andy Lacey. And she worked with a, some of the young mothers in our city. And we got together on a weekly basis and did Bible study. And I think that's when it started to, I started to understand a little bit more about how the gospel really changes my life, how it starts now and how it's something that I live out in everything I do as a mother, as a wife, as a, as a, you know, community member, as in my job and everything that I do. And so started to apply what the Bible means and through that, that, that Bible study. And then obviously, you know, continuing to my 66 years here now. Oh, wow. You're going to do this. Now, I'm sorry. Just might as well get it all out there. And <laughs> you, don't look at, you don't look a day over 65. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so if it's something that you live out in all of your life, you demonstrate the good news, including, you know, wife and mom and whatever else. Why do you treat um, Gabe and Lacey better than you treat me? <laughs> I'm, wor I'm still working. I'm in the sanctification <laughs> process. So I'm still working on that. And I'll keep doing better. Well, the, uh, other than the fact that it's Mother's Day, which uh, is part of the reason you're on the call, but I, the primary reason that I wanted to talk to you and, and have you be a part of our service today um, was because it is because more than anyone else, and this is real, not just because you're my mom and not just because I need to borrow money, um, but uh, more than anyone else, you demonstrate the good news about Jesus in all of your life. And so I wanted to have you share just a couple of stories, just real easy stories that might be embarrassing a little bit to share, but because I'm prompting you, you have to do it. Uh, and uh, hopefully two things will happen. One is people will be inspired by these stories to demonstrate the good news about Jesus in all of life. And then second, that uh, people would, would know how simple really uh, that living out the gospel is so the so the first story i would love for you to share is will you talk to me a little bit about when they integrated the pool in your hometown okay good well um i lived in a very small town three thousand people and uh in again in the southeastern new mexico area we had a very small population of african-american families in our community my mom and dad were both school teachers my dad ran the swimming pool during the summer we all worked there just to make a little extra money and um, i remember distinctly when probably i was about 10 years old talk in the town that the african-american students kids were going to come to the pool for the first time it's very saddens me to even tell the story now that i lived in that background where they weren't invited or they didn't they weren't welcomed or maybe we didn't ever reach out to them to ask them to come but by just by fact not by by law really it was segregated and um so anyway one day um several i'd say five or six um uh, children came and uh, they paid their quarter or whatever it was to get in and uh, and went back through the, the little basket room and out into the pool area. And I remember that the uh, it was there was no one in the pool. And I don't know, it was very much of a big scene. Um, you know, people were watching. There were people outside in cars and just which is kind of the was kind of the 
the culture that you'd have people parked outside and kind of watching what was going on. Because everybody knew that this was the day, right? That it Everyone was- knew this was the day. In fact, if I remember correctly, we thought, is it going to be, is it going to be Tuesday? Is it going to be Wednesday? Is it going to be Thursday? So there was kind of a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, a yeah, it, it was, a, it was a big deal. And um, because it had never happened before. And so I just remember as a young person, um, that there was no one in the pool. They got in, they were swimming, and no incident, no protests, nothing, nothing bad or malicious from anyone. Just more curiosity, uh, I think. All the white kids get out of the pool and these yeah. five or six black. Yeah, were yeah. in the pool by themselves. So I just remember feeling compelled to get in the pool, you know, and again, as, as you talk about your story of, of life, it was certainly at a time in my life that I wasn't um, as you know close to the Lord. I didn't have the faith, or I didn't have the full understanding. But I think, as far as maybe a simple illustration of how small, uh, um, you know, of an a action step that was just to get in the pool, and maybe that's a good you know example for me, for all of us to think about. Sometimes it is as small as that. Uh, that could be a big step or a big evidence for other people about a life that Jesus wants us to live. Well, I feel like, you know, sometimes there are these, these moments, right. And, and it feels like a, you know, when you tell a story like that, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big deal, right. Segregation in the South and stepping in a pool with black kids and nobody expected that, all that stuff. Um, but there are some more kind of almost normal ways that you demonstrate the gospel in all of life. So talk to me a little bit about uh, work. How is it that, how is it that you see your work? Uh, well, first of all, tell people what you do and then, um, and then talk to me about how you, how you live out the gospel at work. Well, I work for a, sc- a public school district. So we have about 47,000 kids, obviously, you know, a, a increasingly diverse community. Um, even in the area that I live in now, in the Phoenix area. And I'm the Assistant Superintendent for Human Resources. So part of my responsibility in human resources is to work with employees, about 5,000 employees. Again, very diverse group of employees, sometimes giving a hard message. And so I, you know, I think God has really put me, uh, absolutely put me in this place. He picked me up and actually put me here in this place to um, make sure that in everything that we do as a culture in our district, at least we show, I show God's love um, um, for people. And that may be in how I treat them with respect, with fairness, with understanding, um, sometimes able to share why I act the way I do or what, what motivates me to act the way I would do. Sometimes I'm not able to do that in a public setting, but I try to do that as much as I can, but I hope they walk away with the understanding and the knowledge of that. So we had the, uh, we had a panel of uh, leaders, religious leaders from Muslim community, Hindu, uh, the, the church, Jesus Christ, the church of Latter-day Saints, um, um, Christian, a, um, I'm trying to think of the other, Buddhist, Jewish, mm-hmm. um, and so a very different group, and uh, it was a great opportunity to hear, actually to see those leaders actually share with each other, because they disagree vehemently with theological backgrounds, yet at the same time, they had a common purpose in making sure that 
we respect the belief systems of those, um, the children and the families that come from those backgrounds. So they shared, and our Christian um, leader in our community um, was able to share too how Christian students might feel and what backgrounds and beliefs they're going to come to the classroom with and encouraging teachers to accept and to, um, to respect those backgrounds uh, and those belief systems. So it's something you initiated. And mm-hmm. what was the what was the purpose? Like, uh, I mean, it was it and was there any fear and anxiety there? Like that people are gonna, you know, they're gonna they're gonna end up getting in a fight in the parking lot afterwards, or yeah, yeah, there was a little fear and anxiety there. Obviously, it's very controversial. It's super emotional. That it's a taboo kind of subject. Religion, you know, we don't talk to people about their religious faith and backgrounds because we don't want to offend and we want to be so politically correct that I think we've kind of created a, a, a void of information, this unknown that I think has caused some emotion and sometimes some anger and, and animosity between people. So I was fearful. Um, I was definitely fearful. I'd lose my job. This was kind of a, no, not really, but it was definitely a outside the box and uh, to invite these religious leaders into a public school forum where we kind of had the separation of church and state. But, um, but the, the point was that, hey, we're not separated people. Great people are their faith. They come to school. They don't leave it behind. They come to work. They don't leave it behind. So unless we kind of come together as a work culture, and figure this out, then it's not going to be a safe place or a good place, a positive place for learning and for growing. And so we need to just address it. And it ended up being people, it was very well received. People, you know, were, uh, again, it was very well received. We recorded it. And it's something that we're going to use for our teachers and do it again in the future. um, As people just, they want to know, they want to know more about their students and make sure that it is a good, good, you know, uh, culture and good community for students and for um, employees. Uh, have you ever personally helped someone financially that you terminated? Of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times the people that you uh, terminate, you're losing their job there. They need, they need money. So yes. And in, in a roundabout way, trying to, <laughs> trying to help them as they transition. That's another opportunity that you, that God's given me in this position. Yeah. So I, I mean, and I know that, you know, I know why you do that stuff, but would you just, this would be the last question and then I'll let you go. So tell, just tell me why. I mean, you know, whether it's um, caring for um, a, a mother-in-law right now who's aging, that's, that's why you have to get off the phone so you can go, come alongside and care for her that you just moved uh, to Phoenix to a assisted living facility to caring for a sister uh, with terminal cancer and being by her side, you know, the whole, you know, and, and whether it's given financially to people and whatever, like, I mean, just, uh, I mean, the short answer is why do you, or the short question is why do you do that stuff? Well, I, you give out of the, I guess the overflow of the blessing that you that Jesus has given me. So he's given me so much. And so it just kind of think if that is your, if, if that's your, um, your core of who you are, then it just naturally happens. And I, I think if I've learned nothing else about the Christian faith, it should be natural. It should be a natural extension 
of who we are. It's, it doesn't, it has to be authentic and it should just happen. If it's not happening, then you kind of have to go back to the source to say why. Uh, but if it is happening, I mean, if that's who you are, then those things just happen and God gives you an opportunity and you just step into it when it happens. Love you. Okay. Love you, hon. Bye-bye. My hope today, my prayer today, is that you were reminded and inspired that God's kingdom is far greater than the kingdom of the world. And as disciples, we are called to demonstrate the good news in all of life. I pray that you find ample places to demonstrate that good news in your life this week.